the presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. As longtime proponents of social learning and cross-cultural community building, Participate invites you to explore virtual exchange and student leadership as Qatar Foundation International works to build meaningful connections to the Arab world. To become a member of QFI's robust community of educators, visit participate.com slash oneducation. You know, if they ever, you know, got to a place of making on education statues, you know, they, they will all be worthy of being torn down one day for things that we've done and said on this pod. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's been a while and some things have happened. Um, but we're back with our friend, our Justin Timberlake. Noah Geisel is is joining us. Welcome back to the podcast, friend. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Glenn. Been missing you guys. I almost had to put a note in your locker to ask if you were mad at me. <laughs> Not remember when mad. We used to do that? Not mad. Lots, lots going on. I can't even remember the last time we had a chat. Uh, probably before FETC, right? It's. I feel like it's been since back in the days of going to like country buffet before going to the movies with your friends. <laughs> back, back when people were allowed to be near each other and hang out. Yes, yes back in those days. So <laughs> country buffet. <laughs> Love so that. here we are, and we've got lots to talk about. Um, Noah has come packing um, with a, a laundry list of. Um, hot topics and important subjects and so let's let's get into it yeah fellas uh, i appreciate being on as always and a chance to pick your brains in public um the first topic i wanted to really ask you about is this notion of opening schools back up and a return to you know a what seemingly is you know people are pushing for a completely normal open of a hundred percent face-to-face synchronous uh in the schoolhouse learning and i'm personally pretty dubious about this uh, both as a possibility and just the motivations for even doing it in the first place and curious what you guys are thinking my find, initial thoughts go ahead mike you go first i find this topic so incredibly complicated and my thoughts wander um in a lot of different directions my 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 initial thought before i put like a lot of like intellectual you know critical thinking into it was about the idea that you know grocery store workers for example you know they did they don't feel safe at work they don't feel safe they're also making $13 an hour, right? And they don't feel safe. They feel like they could get sick and die at any minute. Yet they are there doing their job. And so there's something about the idea that we should, as educators, and this is easy for me to say because I don't have to go into a classroom. So I acknowledge that it's easy for me to say, go do your job. Um, but I see the validity of some of that argument, the, you know, within the context of, you know, being, so this is when it gets complicated, right? It gets, it gets complicated, like, instantly, because now I'm like, with this caveat, and this caveat, and this caveat, um, the idea that, you know, if a district is not providing even the bare minimum of safety, and 
is like saying, you know, there's no no mask requirement, no social distancing. I mean, none of none of that makes sense and is not even like plausible to me. Yet I imagine that there are going to be some places where that happens. Um so like even grocery stores have like massive amounts of protocols related to how they're operating right now and making sure that those people who are working for almost nothing, um, certainly not, um, generally speaking, a livable wage, and yet are there every day to make sure that people eat, um, you know, making sure that they're safe. So school districts, schools, administrations, governments have to make sure their people are safe. Um, there are always going to be people who don't feel safe. There are always going to be people who, no matter what level of security, what level of precaution we take, there are people that aren't going to, they're going to say, I don't feel safe. And it's like, at what, where do we draw the line there between, I mean, we're doing everything we can. You, you got it. We got to get people back in schools. We got to, we got to get, you know, things going again. Um, so there's that. Now, I mean, I, I tweeted just the other day um, that, you know, the cognitive dissonance of especially some of these other governments that are are like having all of these meetings and saying, you know, you can go to school without any protocols, without any whatever, fully face to face um, and are having all of these meetings over Zoom, aren't willing to uh, do their own meetings face to face. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's it's disingenuous and it's dishonest and and it's um deceitful. So I don't know if there's a good answer to this and again I feel like it's just like a lot of the questions related to covid it's going to depend on where you are and how well your local and regional and state province whatever governments are handling the outbreaks. So I say all this knowing that like my wife's a kindergarten teacher and like if you want a better example of not social distancing happening rules not being followed masks being torn off kids coughing in your faces like that is where all of that's going to live um so i am not saying that teachers should suck it up and just go back to work even though it kind of sounds like that a little bit um i'll admit what I'm saying is that there needs to be a balance between um, ensuring safety and the idea that, you know, I think educators have a duty and a responsibility to society to be back in the classroom. And um, I do not think at this time many places are going to be able to provide a working environment that's safe for teachers to teach. So I think the original question, Noah, was about going back full time, yeah, and whether or not that was, um, you know, the conversations around that, whether or not you know we should be doing that or not, or whatever it might be, going full time back face to face. Actually, that's that's actually a better way of, of phrasing that. And I find it especially in most of the states in the United States. Now we know that the situation in Canada is way different than it is in actually the majority of the states as far as the United States. But then there's some specific states in the U.S. that are just going 
uh, rampant right now as far as the amount of cases that are being identified each and every day and deaths and so on and so forth. So being that as it may at this current moment, I could only see that there has to be that the only plans of action are going to be some sort of blended actions. So there's going to have to be um, some way to have students come uh, on alternating days, some kind of creative scheduling. The kids that I worry about the most in a situation like that are elementary age students. And I think you may have to rethink about that specific plan for elementary age students and then figure out, okay, what can we do to ensure social distancing and all of those other things? And at any time that we do meet face-to-face, of course, there has to be measures in place. It, the, those districts or and or states and governors or whatever it might be as far as in states that have declared that there, no masks are going to be required, I would say don't don't go to work. Screw that crap. Those states that aren't taking that as the number one priority, I saw the uh, the uh, he was uh, what is oh superintendent of Miami Dade Schools. He was on the, the news the other day, and he was discussing basically his number one priority, and that's what's been discussed in my school district, is the safety of our students and our and our staff. Is that's our number one priority in any kind of plan that we are developing. And with that in mind, if if that is the case and your district is doing that and they're creating uh, – they're making alternate day schedules. They're creating alternate methods for students to be able to – if they want to, they could just go to an online type of school for if that's their choice. But no matter what, they're ensuring that there's going to be the, the, the most uh, – the best methods available for us to be able to be safe – and and then, and if something does end up happening, you know that there are measures in place. You know, as far as someone contracts the the virus, that there's that there's an alternate plan. That's what I'm thinking about. Is we go back to school, and then some students or us students does end up contracting the virus. What is what is the measures in place then after that? What are we doing to now say, okay, now we need to do this, this, and this? So. As Mike said, it's super complicated. What I don't want people to, to to feel, and that's where I think I might disagree with Mike, is that I don't think we need to be uh, martyrs. And we definitely, if you're going to say that we are babysitters, as 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 uh, some people have described, <laughs> you know, thing basically, what do they need us for? Well, to take care of their kids or to educate their kids. So I don't think that we need to be like, okay, we need to go ahead and be. Uh, martyrs and and step into the classrooms because we're getting paid. It's like, no, that's not good enough. We need to make sure that we're safe first and not just that we are safe, but that our kids are safe also. So it's this combination of uh, of different things. And I'm not sure if my answer is, is complete, but it's, it's actually is a super complicated and ongoing changing type of situation. So that's why the answers are not as complete as, you know, as we want them to be. I'm totally agreeing with you. And, um, you know, I think that something that, that you touched on is the care issue, right? That, um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I 
feel pretty intensely that a huge reason for the motivation from a lot of different camps that normally might not be seen eye to eye, but that are kind of speaking the same line on this of we got to get kids back to school. Like the quiet part is we got to get kids out of the house that yes. people cannot work and we need to get people to work. And, exactly. you know, I, I'm not going to debate the merits of that. What I do think is that if that is our motivation for a full return to school, then maybe we need to have conversations about, okay, like, how do we get your kids safely out of the house so that you can be to work? Your kids can be properly supervised. They are safe. They are fed and they're coming home, hopefully not bringing virus with them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, schools, I think probably are a really logical place to play a part of that. Teachers, perhaps, you know, but I, I just think that there needs to be some uh, just frank and intellectual honesty about what we're really talking about here that I am. The fact is, is that, you know, it stinks when kids are behind in school, right? We are not a fan of people being overage and under credit in any circumstance. And we are in the middle of a global pandemic with over 130,000 people just in the United States dead and, you know, millions of people infected. And, you know, maybe there's going to be, uh, uh, you know, students of a certain age who are going to be reading by fifth grade, not by third grade. And mm -hmm. that's not a great thing to acquiesce to. And, you know, is it a better thing than to say, you know, they were going to read, but they lost their teacher because they died? Yeah. No, exactly. Got to weigh out all of those. Uh, and, and there's so much to lose. And that's the part that I think people are taking for granted. They're saying, well, I'll roll the dice on the point zero whatever chance that a kid may die or the 6% chance that a person with susceptible – uh, an, an immune system that's not whatever can be compromised easily that they may also pass away. We'll take that chance so that we can all go back to work. It's like, no, that's bull. Nah, I, I don't agree. And I think that there's, there's a lot of planning and process that needs to take place. And what's awesome is that I think a lot of the actual governors in the United States are not, not only taking it seriously, but also, uh, leading with the science, like actually making decisions based upon what is the latest that we actually know, and then making decisions based on that. I I'm I am uh, I'll admit it right on right on the podcast. I am absolutely stunned that um, Rob Ford, the the premier of Ontario, um, is doing as good a job as as he is. I, I really am, you know, and it's not perfect, and there's definitely. A lot of like, um, he's leaning a lot of ways in terms of like being pro business in this, especially lately, um, with reopening controversies and stuff like that. But, um, when there was a bit of a surge after Canada Day, um, uh, he definitely like slowed down, you know, reopening as opposed to the logic of like, you know, some of the governors and what they did after, you know, um, some of the holidays down there. Um, so I, I've been, I've been surprised, pleasantly surprised that, uh, you know, that we've handled it as well as we have all things considered. 
Uh, you know, I think we can go ahead and shift gears to a different topic and maybe go uh, serious but slightly lighter. Uh, you know, we've touched in on the pod uh, on different occasions on you know this notion of cancel culture, and it's in the news right now because a you know large group of, of uh, for lack of a better word, celebrity uh, kind of personas signed an open letter calling for the cancellation of cancel culture in, for all intents and purposes. Uh, what are our thoughts about you know maybe Maybe not even just the letter, but just in general where we are as a society with this kind of uh, phenomenon of cancel culture. I think I've we've talked about this before, and it is a it is part of what's become of of social media and politics and everything else that is currently our current state of of being, uh, especially here in the United States. Um, when we don't like an idea, we immediately react to it. And those reactions are more than often <laughs> super overreactions to things, including the, the, the concept of just saying, I'm not going to listen to you any longer. <laughs> and not only that, but I'm going to promote other people also don't listen to you any longer, don't buy your products, don't do this, don't do that, whatever it might be. And we're immediately cutting off the conversation. And I think that continues to uh, feed into the division that is happening as far as within our country. I, I couldn't feel more divided uh, at the moment. Um, I go into a grocery store and I feel this disdain for people that don't wear masks <laughs> and and this, this utter... Uh, like I'm telling you, like the uh, kind of guttural hate for people, and it's not healthy. <laughs> and we need to be having discussions about things and why we are doing the things that we're doing and not doing um, and listening to both sides of the aisle and everything it, it, on every level and every topic. And it seems that there is less and less that middle ground that used to be the, the majority of people used to live in the middle and could listen to both sides and really – kind of take in ideas from any side on any topic. <laughs> it could be anything now. Um, and now we can't do that. We have a really hard time uh, listening to each other. And part of the the reactions have to do with this thing about canceling uh, uh, people, ideas, products, music, whatever else it might be. And it's just not very healthy. And it, it is has been passed down to our students, and I, I see it all the time as far as in high school students and in our college students and even lower probably middle school and elementary school students. They know this, and it's, it's, it's a super ugly part of where we're at right now. So, yeah. We've lost the ability to amicably disagree. Um, and... I feel like, you know, I, I just wish that we could debate things and and argue about them, even like heatedly, and then still, you know, respect positions. But at some point, people just turn each other off and then it's over and everyone just goes back to their silos and, um, and listens to the stuff that, you know, so... It's it's a shame. It, I do find it funny that like someone like J.K. Rowling is is in this letter 
you know, and, and I, of course she's against cancel culture because she's currently being canceled by a lot of people. Um, and so, um, it's, it's, there's no, no lack for irony in, in that specific person signing on to this. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinions and I actually have time for almost anyone's opinions as long as they're not hateful, um, or, or, you know, racist or, or homophobic, um, you know, I'll, 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 I'll talk fiscal policy and taxing with you all day. I, I don't mind, you know, f- like fiscal conservatism, for example, is I'm fine with it, though I disagree with it. Um, you know, and, you know, the role of government in our lives and all of this stuff that people can debate. Ideally, people should be able to debate. Um, and I, I just, I just wish that, um, there was a more open forum for ideas, um, even if you didn't necessarily see the same way as as other people. That's what I like about, you know, I feel like this this podcast does a little bit of that, at, at least, you know, gets ideas out there. And, and I've always invited people. Um, and no, I actually, you're really quite great at this. Um, I don't know if we always agree on everything, but definitely we... Um, are you're very good at disagreeing with people respectfully, I guess I should say. That's a good way to say it. And like bringing other ideas to the table that you might not have thought of um, and then and then um, talking through them. And, you know, if everything just worked the way that you worked in that regard, I think we would um, we would all be a little bit better off. Agreed. Um, I mean, we should just end on patting me on the back. No, I, I, think that, <laughs> I, I, like, I think that one of the things you're talking about, Mike, is, is information literacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to, you know, the education part of on education is, you know, that there's information literacy that we, you know, that I think is inherently missing from, um, you know, opting into participation in cancel culture, right? That we are, you know, very quickly moving to say, that person is trash. They need to go with a pretty limited amount of information and, you know, somewhere between zero and minimal amount of, you know, kind of processing and, and, and fact finding. And, you know, I also think that there's, there's a real degree of, of kind of unacknowledged selfishness at play as well. And I think that like a lot of the ills in our society right now, uh, that these things exploit human selfishness. Right. That um, the coronavirus is a perfect example. You know, when I feel like I deserve to go gather with a bunch of friends in close proximity, you know, that is unconsciously, you know, mind you, but it is an act of selfishness that, mm-hmm. you know, is exploited by the virus. And I think that cancel culture is well, you know, and that we know for a fact that there are, you know, hostile actors out there who are dedicated to sowing division, you know, in Western society, that that is their goal. And cancel culture is playing right into that. Um, you know, I'm with you on the irony of, you know, a letter to cancel cancel culture. Um, I also think that, you know, when you're canceling cancel call, when you're engaging cancel culture, there's, there's a selfishness that, you know, of not giving others the same grace you would hope to get for yourself. Because, um, you know, 
Uh, is something another thing in the news right now clearly is, is statues of historical figures, right? And, and one of the difference, you know, the, one of the things about statues is they're about people. You know, they are not inanimate objects. They are about, you know, high def 360 living, breathing, you know, at least at some point in history, you know, people and every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has been problematic, you know, in our past and hopefully we're getting better. But any one of us, you know, including the three of us right now have done innumerable things that, you know, if they came to light would be deserving of, 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 you know, attention from cancel culture movement. And I think that, you know, one of the huge problems is that, you know, a foundation of, of Western society is atonement. And, you know, that we believe in the ability to restore justice and cancel mm-hmm. culture does not create space for that in, in my mind. And, and I think that it's um, I, I just think it, I think it's selfish and I think it's it plays into a societal ill that, that is, you know, on one hand, we don't want to have a lot of the hate and things that tend to get canceled. And on the other hand, you know, we're not making things better by just you know trying to sweep them under the rug as opposed to restore uh, justice. All right. I think we have time for one more quick one. What do you got for us? Um, you know, we are in this moment of seeing uh, a reformation, a revolution, a um, I, I don't know yet know the words. Hopefully, you know, people smarter and wiser than us one day will be able to look back on this moment of time and seeing a, a reckoning by white uh, America and, and really just the world around, um, you know, processing the black experience and the experience of being a person of color, you know, in our society. And one of the things that has uh, really kind of been scratchy for me, especially in uh, education social media, is people tagging other people and saying, what are you doing? And there's this uh, you know, need to stand in almost kind of a roll call of what you are doing to be um, anti-racist. And, you know, I- I'm curious where you guys, you know, are, are following and interpreting the actions of white people in publicly processing or publicly stating, you know, what they are doing um, and how helpful or, you know, harmful or status quo reinforcing that is. So I'm done with the distractions on this. And the, the, the colored bubbles and the, you know, the rainbows and sunshine and whatever other nonsense people are posting. Do something. Just go and do it. Um, and I, I frankly don't even care if you talk about it. As long as you're doing shit, that's all that I care about. Do something. It's the difference between, you know, being anti-racist and just saying you're anti-racist. Um, you know, these companies that have posted, you know, these big long statements on social media or whatever, you know, they don't actually say anything about what they're actually going to do. Most of them don't, you know, and I felt really strongly about that when like we wrote a statement as a as a as a podcast and it actually had like, here's what we're going to do, because I think the difference is, you know, saying you're going to do stuff and actually being active and doing it. Everything else is nonsense. Uh, I mean, we can get so bogged down in, you know, who's doing what and who's saying what and how are they saying it and stuff like that. Just go do stuff. And, you know, if you want to give your whatever, man, if you want to give yourself a pat on the back because you went and did it, you know, take a lap. It's as long as you do it, just do things. Be active in the work that's being done and 
I'm fine with you. I had this exact, even off-air conversation with uh, Michael Bonner. We had him on right after the George Floyd uh, murder. And and as we were just trying to process and talk through things, and I really was telling him, I mean, I, I kind of set it up with saying, hey, you know what? Here's my situation. I'm half Mexican and half white. And, and, and even with that, uh, whatever mixture of things, I am super concerned with what I might say might be taken the wrong way and might be misconstrued. And for me to call attention to myself as far as in this situation, which I completely have never lived through. So I can't actually, you know, uh, relate to any of those specific types of experience that so many people have. And in that light, I didn't I don't want to bring any attention to myself on this topic because I am I I don't want to uh take away any anybody's um words, messages, those types of things. I can only say that I can 100% support you in any way and that I may need to go ahead and uh, as I was telling Michael, I think I need to get more educated on this. I think I'm lacking in in the education of, of things and I think I'm lacking in some of the things that I do that are not cool, that are that are promoting some of these things either by A, not supporting, not being anti-racist, actually standing up for people in situations, in certain things or B, saying and doing things that actually promote uh, stereotyping, racism, et cetera, whatever it might be. And in that light, I'm just a super flawed human and person and white also. And so I need to, I, in my opinion, I just need to step back and away from that light. And if I had like we do as far as the podcast, if we have a, a place to be able to promote people's, not promote, to be able to lift people's voices that may not be uh, being heard and our messages are not being heard by people that are in the situation that know better, that know the ideas, that we should do those things. And mm-hmm. I think that that's not only the companies, because the companies have a... As far as action steps, there's a lot of action steps that can be taken by companies to make huge differences in the inequities that are happening as far as economically in the United States. Um, are they going to be doing that? Uh, who knows? That's, you know, Those statements don't state that they're actually going to do X, Y, and Z and whatever else it might be. Um, as far as people are concerned and educators, you know, um, you know, we call them the edge celebrities or those types of people – they do have a platform and, and an ability to be able to reach hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of educators, to be able to promote, not, again, lift up, not promote, uh, lift up people's voices and ideas. And they should be doing those things as we have attempted to do and are, are still continuing to do that. And I'm, I'm agreeing with Mike as far as action. I, I wanted to know what, what should we be doing and that's what I was asking uh, Michael and Ken Shelton and anybody else. I, I just want to know, like, what should I actually be 
doing and and that's the types of things that i'm reading right now as far as you know people posting whatever might be here's the next steps because that's the only way we're going to grow you know talk mm-hmm. about a, a place where we're at a, a place here we're like okay i support you but that doesn't mean jack unless i actually learn more uh start actually making some action steps towards uh change locally where i can control things and anything within my control that i can actually you know personally and locally as far as within my school districts that i can have an influence on that's what i want to be doing so pumping my chest and saying hey on social media this is what i want to do i god i i i don't want to be part of that and if people are doing that because they feel like they need to i guess that's that's good but it's like i don't know where that would how that could be a positive thing you know that doesn't that doesn't feel positive to me as far as in in this in this where we're at right now and kind of where we're headed i think it's really interesting that you both kind of honed in on distraction you know that that Mm -hmm. there is only so much oxygen in the room and you know if you're talking you're taking up oxygen right and so you know maybe that's a place where you know you know you both sort of alluded to some nuance right that there is a difference between saying i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm doing this and and, you know it it being in order to smoke signal out to everyone else you know how virtuous you are you know that that is different than saying you know what if you're you know don't have other people to ask. And if you rightly don't think you should be just reaching out to people of color to ask them to work for you for free to tell you what to be doing. Um, here are some suggestions of things you could be doing. You know, that the, those are two very different uses of oxygen. Um, I, I guess, uh, that, that we wouldn't want to conflate, but I do think that, and I also want to highlight what you said, Glenn, about, you know, the difference between promoting and, um, I, I think you said, uh, raising up and elevating yes. and amplifying, right? That there's, you know, that one of the, I think, risk factors of talking about what you are doing is it's centering you and not mm-hmm. the people for whom you are doing it. And that, you know, a even more dangerous thing that could happen is that it diminishes how awesome they are, right? Yes. That all of a sudden they're not on the education podcast because they're awesome, you know, but because, yes. you know, we, you know, Mike and Glenn needed to find more people, you know, who, who fit a certain demographic. And that's not okay. Yes. And so I think that there's there's harm that can come from talking about as white people that, you know, is more just pounding the chest, as you say, and not about actually, you know, helping other people in some way. You know, if you're just if it's just about what I'm doing, you know, and not about because it's here to give ideas to other people, I just don't see um, how you're actually make be, being a part of the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. hundred percent. Noah, I, I love these conversations. Uh, even when they're even when they're lighthearted, they get into like uh, serious territory and intellectually, um, stimulating territory and, and all other territories. You know, and as we sign off, Michael, and I appreciate you creating space for these conversations. And I, I just want to make sure that we are, you know, not leaving any false impressions with listeners that we have all the answers and that we have, uh, crossed the finish line of our own journeys because there is no finish line. We are learning. We are growing. Uh, you know, I'm sure that six weeks, six months, six years from now, I'm going to listen back to something that, you know, I've said in the last 30 minutes that makes me cringe at, you know, the giant, you know, perpetuation of race. 
racist, uh, you know, white supremacy that I am, uh, you know, still spouting even in an effort to be a champion of anti-racist ideals. This is a journey we are trying and we are imperfect. And, you know, and, you know, if they ever, you know, got to a place of making on education statues, you know, they, they will all be worthy of being torn down one day for things that we've done and said on this pod. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Noah, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our podcast rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.